0: Tone Deaf is the journey of a musical theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. The reactions to the musicals are real and mostly unedited. This show is for ages 14 and up, because sometimes you just need to use a swear. Now sit back, relax, and have a laugh. You're listening to Tone Deaf.
1: Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically-challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically-challenged. Alright, so if I was an opera podcast wife, then I would have us watch La Boheme before we watch this show. But I'm not, so we aren't, and we'll do it on the spin-off show coming up called uh, Tone Deaf, Guida di un nerd del teatro per il loro coniuge svidato musicalmente. I'm not saying that. I took one year of Italian because I'm a bad Italian, I'm not, so... I'm not saying that because I can't say it. <laughs> it's okay. We're we're not really doing a spinoff show. I think my tongue would eat itself in protest. <laughs> my, did you hear mine eating itself going, You took three years of Latin and four years of Spanish and one year of Italian. What are you doing, you monster? <laughs> Sounds about right. So, uh, today we're doing Rent. And, um... We're going to be doing things a little bit differently in this um, because. So when I was going into what we were going to be watching today regarding Rent, at first, I thought that the only option we would really have for you to have subtitles would be the 2005 movie. And I love the 2005 movie. I do think that it's a good way to introduce you to it. However, uh, there was a Fox Live version. Wow, that was a heavy sigh from Latte. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, Goober, we're not watching that one. So uh, there was Fox Live version, but everyone at work was pretty much saying how difficult it was to understand people. Music was too loud and the dialogue was too quiet. Yeah, and so I didn't want us to have that be your introduction, And then, as I was getting everything ready for this, I found the 2008 final performance on Broadway, legally with subtitles. Fantastic. So, what we're going to do is we're going to be doing this as a two part episode. We're going to watch the first, uh, we're going to watch the 2005 movie first, because There are some changes from stage to film that we'll talk about further on in this uh, episode. Um, But then, next episode, we'll watch the 2008 final performance. So, to start into this, this episode we're just going to do kind of a bare bones, this is Rent. this is the background, and then our next episode we can kind of delve more into the history of the show, the history of... Uh, The Rent Heads, which are the fans of Rent. uh, Because this show had a huge cultural impact, which you'll understand as we go into this. So, this musical was written by Jonathan Larson and is one of his best-known musicals. This was originally a collaboration between Larson and playwright Billy Aronson. Aronson was the one who had originally conceived this modern musical adaptation of La Bohème by Pacini, but um Larson kind of went with it more. Like he he ended up kind of taking ownership of it, fleshing it out more. The show is going to be set in the East Village of New York City rather than in Paris, as it is in La Bohème. And where tuberculosis was the disease that plagued our main characters in La Bohème we're going to be dealing with AIDS in this show.
0: Okay, because I always knew that, in my mind, Rent, when I heard, heard you talk about Rent or other people, I knew Rent was AIDS the musical. I was yeah. going to ask if La Boheme was AIDS the opera, but I guess it's Tuberculosis it's, the opera. Yeah,
1: it's Tuberculosis the opera, Um, which we'll we'll go into it a little bit more in depth later. Because uh, I do want us to also see La Boheme, but we're not an opera podcast, so that's not our main goal what does bohem mean uh so it would be like the bohemians the people who are the artists the counterculture Ah. of the time okay generally starving artists very poor which you will see in rent holy smokes so a lot of um this show is when aids was at its scariest uh it it was definitely a death sentence at this time right now it still is but not to the horrifying extent that it was well i
0: know that now there are me- like there's treatments and medications of yeah. people who have hiv and, and have
1: access to those yeah. medications no, yeah <laughs> i
0: should make that clarification people who have access to the medications uh-huh. um i mean are able to live for years and years and years and, and yeah really only suffer severe declining health even decades after diagnosis, kind of thing yeah like so i mean it, it definitely is uh, better for those who have access to it. Yeah. And so when you're saying the height of the,
1: uh, I guess it was the height of the AIDS crisis, so would that be like the 80s? This would be the 80s into the 90s. This show will take place in the early 90s. Okay. So this is, you're you're having, you're realizing that, okay, straight people can have AIDS too. Because <laughs> before this, it was considered right. a gay disease. It was considered
0: a gay man's disease, and yes. so they didn't take it seriously. And then, mm-hmm.
1: what? Straight people can get it? Yeah, it's it, there's a really good movie uh, that I, I can't remember if you've seen it or not, or if it was just my mom and I that saw it, called The Normal Heart. I did that, not see it. It is really good. It's based off of a play. And we should watch it sometime, just because that gives you a really good insight into how scary this time period was. Uh, but we'll we'll go into that later, because um, I'll give you a little bit more background on Rent instead of going on a tangent about AIDS, though this is kind of helpful and tangentially related to Rent. So with Larson, he put a lot of his own early adult life into this play. So you'll think, see things like having an illegal wood-burning stove inside of your New York apartment because it was so cold, but you couldn't afford to pay for the heat. You'd have tent cities outside of, like, lots and stuff because people couldn't afford to live in New York. And it's, it's pretty much from his own experience's in that regard, uh, now he, there are a lot of people who, because of Rent, think, oh, so Jonathan Larson was a gay man who had AIDS. He was actually straight, didn't have AIDS, but, um, he was living in the East Village, and there was a gay community there, and AIDS impacted you there, so, you know, there's there's where that comes in, because he's making this as real as possible. When he was composing this, he ended up with hundreds of songs for this show. And, huh. yes. <laughs> and ended up with 42 by the time that the first table read occurred. The first table read kind of led to him realizing that it needed to be pared down. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, Otherwise, you're going to have a three-hour musical, yeah. and that's if it's a sung-through musical where yeah. they're just singing the whole damn time.
1: And, I mean, this feels like an opera, the way that it's that it's written and the way that it's performed. Um, there are a lot of songs that didn't make the cut to the final play, obviously. Uh, the workshop uh, reading was at the New York Theater Workshop and was actually starring Anthony Rapp, who plays Mark, in the Broadway production as well as the movie that we're going to be seeing. Oh, hi, Mark. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And then uh, Daphne Rubin-Vega was Mimi, who that's who she plays in the Broadway show as well. From 1993 to 1996, the show went through several revisions before its scheduled preview on January 25th of 96. Okay. So... The night before the show is to open, we have our final dress rehearsal, and Larson has an interview regarding the show. And this is because this was being released around the hundredth anniversary of La Boheme. This was going to be his only interview about this show, because January twenty-fifth, early in the morning, Jonathan Larson suffered an aortic aneurysm from undiagnosed Marfan disease. Ooh. And he didn't make it. Had this been Cotton time, he would have probably lived, at least to see the premiere of his show. But they still went on that night, dedicating the show in his honor. The show must go on. The show must go on. Um, the preview, they basically just did a sung through table, or not table read, but like it wasn't the fully blocked show, um, if I re- if I remember right from because my notes I for some reason didn't write that part down, um, but it it got really successful. Like they they opened off Broadway after these previews, first at the New York Theater Workshop, and it sold out to the point where they had to move it to Broadway. Nice, and it moved to Broadway in April of ninety six, and it actually won a Tony for uh, best musical, best original score. Like this, this show was just a phenomenon, and it's kind of an odd staging, and we'll go into it when we see the stage production that the stage production feels like a workshop theater production. It does not feel like this lavish Broadway production. It's very rough around the edges. So when you say a
0: workshop theater production, uh, guess just going off of what my my brain pictures subject me to, that almost sounds like people... Um, almost kind of like Whose Line Is It? Where people are kinda like like they have a set thing, but at the same time they're kind of like you're saying workshopping, they're acting it out and then changing things as they go and like it do- it doesn't
1: sound um solid. This show definitely is not like it's it's one of those things where a lot of shows, and we'll go into this with Susical, they will have their first previews or like they'll do previews for an audience and then go back and go okay we need to change this jonathan larson died right before previews happened
0: ah uh, so he wasn't able there to was give any yeah there's input. no
1: feedback and no one was going to change what he did which um when we get into this a little bit more that does lead to some of the things with some of the characters that were, we're basically like in this time bubble where you've got so many things that the lgbt community has discovered about itself that doesn't reflect in rent even things that we were discovering about ourselves in the 90s that doesn't get reflected because the show won't ever leave the stage it's in because the creator is gone and it's not like with Oklahoma or with Rogers and Hammerstein, where it's been enough time to do that. And it's just it's it's very interesting. There's a really good article um, it's on uh, out dot com that talks about mostly this same thing, but with Angel, who's a character in the show, that is, listed as a drag queen but she lives most of her life feminine and so and you'll see that she's referred to as her but then after her death she'll which spoilers but it's already, the musical yeah i
0: already knew that because <laughs> um, i know just over the yeah. years hearing people talk about and oh so it's it's i just i already knew that. yeah so it's
1: it's one of those things where there's there's that's why I want us to see both versions. Because the movie... It's more traditional, more like... I mean, the the stage play is fleshed out. It is 100% fleshed out. It is complete. But the movie feels a little different compared to the play. Which will make more sense. Um, so... To go off of the fact that this is based off of La Boheme, we have characters that are actually direct parallels to characters in Puccini's opera. Like, there is a character named Mimi, who has tuberculosis. We have another character in Rent named Mimi Marquez. She's got AIDS. She has, she's the main love interest of the main character, Roger, who has who is the singer songwriter musician who also is HIV positive, and he is based off of Rodolfo, who would be the poet in La Boheme, the main character. You have Marcelo and Mark. You have, uh, Chouinard and Angel de Mat You have Colleen. You have Tom Collins. Uh, you <laughs> have yeah, <laughs> you have uh their landlord Benoit. And he is Benny in this. Um, it's it's just there are a lot of uh, nods to the original material. They mentioned Musetta's waltz, which is in. Uh, it, it's in La Boheme because Musetta is a character in La Boheme. She's the singer who translates to Maureen, who's the bisexual performance artist that will have one of the strangest scenes that I, I was listening to this today at work, preparing myself and just laughing because I forgot about this one scene. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So like I said, there are going to be parallels to La Boheme. And if we were an opera podcast, I probably would have had us watch that first, but I wasn't thinking about it. Well we're not an opera because podcast, we're yeah, right? we're not an opera podcast. But we will cover La Boheme eventually, because eventually we'll want to cover operas because they're they are tied in. They're
0: the European cousins of musicals. They're
1: they're the musicals I would say they're the The precursors. Yeah, they're they're the grandmother to musicals. Or there maybe we go. maybe great aunt. They might be the great aunt to musicals. Yeah. Yeah. Final answer. No final answers here. (laughs) We always evolve and change. There is no certainty. (laughs) There is no future. There is no past. You'll get it in about five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say, it's like, oh, Kay is delving into some philosophical
0: territory. How do I, oh, oh, okay, it's a reference to what I will see soon.
1: (laughs) So, like I said, for this episode, we're going to cover the 2005 movie. The cast for the film is going to have some heavy hitters of both the stage and screen. Screen, not screen. So you might not recognize the names of Anthony Rapp, Tay Diggs, and Adam Pascal, but you will recognize Rosario Dawson. Kinda. Okay. And Adina Menzel. Again, kinda. You'll recognize her as soon as she starts singing. Okay. Um, then again, in our next episode, we're going to do a more in-depth discussion on the stage version, on sort of the differences between the two, as well as the cultural impact, because there is a major cultural impact for this show. And like I said, um, I would suggest to folks that are interested in this show, they're is a really good article about the character Angel on Out.com called Angel's, I- Angel's Gender Identity, Rent's Most Enduring Mystery. And that was because as as a non-binary individual, I, I kind of identified with Angel the most out of any of the characters. I mean, granted, Angel was assigned male at birth, I'm assigned female at birth, but there's still sort of this fluidity um so yeah it's it's just it's it's interesting i do wish that i i i love angel so i wish that there was more focus on her in this but you take what you can get and like i said the show is forever in that little bubble of 1996 because of jonathan larson's tragic death
0: so at what point does his tragic death just become history
1: and someone in theater revises the when show? When it makes enough money, like when it, there's enough money in it. I, I hate to say that, no, that's, but... That's probably
0: the most accurate if, answer.
1: If you think about it, a lot of these shows are the ones that were wildly popular and made a ridiculously um, a ridiculous amount of money. Like... Oklahoma's been revived over and over and over. The issue with Pirates of Penzance is copyright issues because, well, we went into that with Pirates of Penzance. Copyright wasn't really a thing. And that's the case with some of these older shows too. And then in other cases, the people that are reviving it are still alive to give input. Gotcha. We don't have that with Jonathan Larson. We don't have really any way to say, hey, can we update this and have it be more obvious that we're accepting that let's let's say that bisexual people do exist outside of just a line in love e boem or outside of because they they don't identify This character, Maureen, who would be considered bisexual, they only ever call her a lesbian. But she is very obviously going. She's dating Mark, and then she dates Joanne, and then she... But she also is kind of... She's... You could call her a free spirit, you could call her polyamorous, but she also doesn't really consent with anybody. I mean... Like regarding her other partners, so it's it's sort of it's it's one of those frustrating things with this show because I love it so much, but there are so many things that are outdated now, and there are so many identities that don't ex don't get to exist in this show
0: that really would that probably would. have. This would be the ideal show too. Yes. Yes. I would. It's interesting you're talking about that uh, because the creator is dead. No one's updated I would think that that would make it easier to update because the creator's dead. That there would be fewer people
1: to be like, "No, this is my work. You he, can't." He does still have an estate, mm. and so that would be part of it. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm, then again, who knows?
0: I do not know. Did he have a wife? Husband? No. Okay. So whoever is in charge of his estate that still holds the rights to Mm those that controls it. I don't know. I would almost think that if someone could present a well-thought-out, updated version to it... Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know. It's a good way to modernize it and bring these same issues into the foreground again. Yeah. And... Oh, God. Oh, God. With what's going on right now... This
1: would be the perfect year
0: to do that. Well... So this is a little bit of a joke, but also not really because this is a dumb thing. Oh, uh, it would be interesting to update it, and the diseases that people get are because of not getting vaccinations. Because of
1: <sighs> yeah, there'd be a way. Yeah, to do that. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, because AIDS is still an issue. It's I know. just not I know. people. Then again, measles was also an issue. Tuberculosis. Tuberculosis was an issue, still is in some places, but like, I think I think part of my issue too is that you didn't understand. Even though the trans community has existed forever, you don't have that necessarily out front. Even though that's who started Pride. <laughs> So, I I don't know, I get get a little bit, like I said, I get frustrated with this show because it's so good in so many respects, but in other respects, I get... It's not living up to its potential. Yeah, and it's all because there's just the tragedy, that tragedy of losing such a good composer, because you know that if there had been more time to workshop again after previews, or like what could have been that's what this is that's the tragedy is it's a what could have been because it's already amazing but especially in this day and age like what what could have happened what could have happened with this show so that's that's my little soapbox here i've i've gone over our usual time (laughs) this might be a longer episode listeners (laughs) It is a part one of two. It is a part one of two. um and i'm I'm really glad that you take really good notes so that we can do the compare contrast on this one.
0: ever since I started using my laptop to take notes and stopped handwriting. Them, yes, yes,
1: yes. and just yeah i I love this show so much. It's a show that when when you first see it as a kid, you focus on the fact that oh, they said a swear oh, they mentioned sex, they did all this, like, oh, it's really out there and risque. And then as you get older, it sort of makes you think more. And then it makes you sad for the fact that you're never going to see Rent focus on these communities that have existed within the LGBT community since its inception. It just, it, I don't know. It was, it was one of those things when I was doing research for this episode and seeing that in the script and in everything, Angel is 100%. This is a drag queen. And I'm going, but Angel reminds me so much of my own identity as a non-binary person. Just flipped. (laughs) Except for that I don't pass as male because I, I'm, okay with i guess i'm a little bit more fluid that way but i either go what is gender oh i feel female hey i look cute with my hair kind of shorter and in jeans and not as girly you look cute always Aw, thanks but love you love you so let's go and watch rent Let's get our tissues ready, at least for me, because I know that I'm going to cry. Because I almost cried at work listening to this, and this was just the movie soundtrack. So I'm, I'm screwed. So let's take a brief intermission and go watch Jonathan Larson's masterpiece, Rent. Woo! Before we get to Warren's review of this show, we want to take a quick moment and just thank our Playbill and Stage Crew sponsors. Our Playbill sponsor, Jasmine
0: Wu, and our, crew, our stage crew sponsor, Bianucci. Thank you both so much for your
1: continued patronage and support of our humble little podcast. We really, truly appreciate everything you've done for us, you guys. Thank you so much. Now, let's listen to a brief ad from one of our favorite podcasts called History on Blast. Hello, and welcome to History on Blast. I'm Hillary, and I'll be your host as we call out history. Every other week, we'll be putting a different person, place, time, or event on Blast for the shit that they pulled. This ain't your grandpa's history podcast, so if this sounds like your cup of harbor tea, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher. And now the lights are going down and the music is starting back up. So let's hop into the second act of the show. All right, so. I have tossed out my Kleenexes, and I have taken a nice little break, and now it's time to find out, what did you think of rent, Warren? Are you positive you want to know? Oh god, no. Oh god.
0: Five hundred, twenty-five (laughs) thousand, six hundred spoons... Five hundred, twenty-five thousand bad jokes to make. Five hundred, twenty-five thousand, six hundred references. How many references
1: can I make? Um, <laughs> that was not where I thought you were going, so I am very pleasantly surprised.
0: <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know, when Kay and I got married... I gave her my heart, so all the (laughs) normal human emotions that I'm supposed to feel get transferred to her via the black hole wormhole inside of my chest that's linked to hers. Um, So while Kay legitimately did cry, I only get angry at the scenes that are supposed to make me cry, (laughs) and then I yell at the TV. Um, Yeah. That's what happens. So... I didn't cry, I didn't get sad, I just got angry. Just said, "Really?" Yeah, <laughs> just lots of lots of that. Um, I liked it though. Mm-hmm. I liked the show. Um, I feel bad making jokes. Mm-hmm.
1: With this show, Trey or Matt Stone and Trey Parker sure didn't with Team America.
0: Yeah, but nothing <laughs> is is sacred to them. That's um, true. So, so, I guess I will preface preface this with, uh, I'm sorry if you don't find these jokes funny. Um, I think I did? I don't know. (laughs) I was trying to pull humor from a musical that really didn't have a lot of humor to pull from. Um, the overall tones that I gathered from this musical was supposed to be... Desperation, hope, love. Desperation, hope, love. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the overarching um, emotional themes and roller coaster to this. Yeah. Uh, roller coaster is right. So the show opens with Mark the cameraman Mm -hmm. mark is the cameraman with mark filming stuff and riding his bike and talking about how he can't pay rent Mm -hmm. and then it cuts to roger who's singing about how they can't pay rent yep and the lights are off in their apartment and so they decide that they're just gonna burn all of their eviction notices for warmth slash heat or a pfft for light, <laughs> light slash heat, because they have no power and no heat in their apartment. And apparently so does everybody else on the block. And mm-hmm. so the opening scene was actually quite spectacular. Yeah. Um, Just everybody on the street lighting their eviction notices on fire and basically saying, we're not going to pay rent, we're not going to pay rent. Go screw yourselves,
1: we're not going to pay rent. You know what? It's like the Gen X version of the draft card burning scene in Hair.
0: Yeah, that's actually it's actually a pretty... the Gen X version. That's a pretty fair uh, equate, uh, way to equate it. Um, I missed a joke that I had wrote in the very beginning because I wasn't sure how to open this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have named this Mortgage the Musical. <laughs> Which, that's how, you, that's how you do, like, a spiritual successor to this, that in the modern day, you have a bunch of people, like, as many as you could do, like, 7 to 10 People who are renting a house together, mm-hmm. so that they can all pool their money to pay the. the so that would the be mortgage. the millennial
1: version. That'd be the millennial version of rent would be called mortgage. It would be a bunch of forty to thirty year olds, very depressed, <laughs> <laughs> because you'd have you'd have early twenties to mid thirties. There's some there's some millennials who are turning forty. So yeah, well.
0: Moving along from that depressing note, uh, <laughs> the opening is basically poor artists can't pay rent and get mugged on the street. A story as old as time. How old is the has the concept of rent been around? I'd imagine a very long time.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty old, pretty old concept there because we're horrible as a species. <sighs> Some pissed off poor people burn their eviction
0: notices for both warmth and light. Think of the trees. <laughs> uh, and then the Lorax popped out. And the Lorax popped out. <laughs> oh, man. Well, then Lorax would be way more pissed off at the fact it's like, there used to be a whole grove of trees here <laughs> as far as the eye could see. Um, after the initial opening song and dance pyrotechnics number, mm-hmm. um, Mark and Roger have a run-in with their former friend-slash-sort-of-friend-slash-villain
1: of the show? Yeah. Kinda? He's, Benny? He's the landlord who married uh, and Well, he's, the, and he's well. the son
0: of the landlord. Yes. Yeah, that's what it is. Benny is the villain, or so. He used to be cool, but now he's not. He married up, and now he's punching down. Down, down, down on all of his former friends. And, uh, he's... Definitely a tool. Yeah. I, I didn't, I don't know if he's supposed to be sympathetic or empathetic or anything. He's not as evil as he could. Well, okay, he's not evil. He could be evil. Yeah. He definitely has moments where he's trying. Mm hmm. Um, but overall, he's just kind of a douche. Yeah. I uh, don't really care for Benny. Um, then, oh, yeah, that's right, because in the beginning, um, Mark and Roger are excited because their friend Tom Collins is back in town. Mm-hmm. And when they throw him the keys so he can get up to the apartment, and when he's heading over, he gets mugged. Yep. And gets the crap beat out of him. Gets his coat stolen. And then we are introduced to Angel. The best character in the show. Who is an angel <laughs> by helping Collins after he was mugged. Yay, New York! Um, <laughs> I liked Angel. Angel Angel was just a sweetheart. and Mm-hmm. And, and it's... Sad later. <sighs> After that bit of introductions, yes, uh, we then are treated to Rocking Roger. <laughs> he has an empty wallet and he stays home when Mark goes to look for Collins because he's like, "Where's Collins? It's, it's been a while. He should be up here. We threw mm-hmm. the keys and he's somewhere, but he's not here." And Mark goes to go look for him. Collins decides he's gonna stay Roger. home. Yeah, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mark's going to go look for Collins, and Roger decides he's going to stay home and mope around. He goes up to the rooftop to sing the song of his people. One last song. One blaze of glory. <laughs> After Roger's song draws the attention of Mimi, who wants Roger's wee-wee, <laughs> Mimi is flirty and drops her heroiny, and has a song and dance number. Nice ass, Mimi. <laughs> she has a line in there about they say I have the nicest ass Below Fourteenth Street. Street. Yeah, she's yeah. nice. she a nice butt. I mean, yeah. <laughs> not 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 gonna complain. Uh, and then after Roger basically tells Mimi to leave after trying to hide her heroin, but she sneaks it out of his pants mm-hmm. where he was hiding it. Uh, we then go back to Mark. Mark gets a call. Oh, yeah, it cuts to the morning, because it takes place Christmas Eve, right? The eviction notices Christmas Eve. The movie does. The movie does. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the show does not. The show has a different timeline. Gotcha. Well, okay, so I didn't realize this until later, but it is Christmas Eve in the movie, and then it comes to Christmas morning, and Mark gets a call from his family, and he has a line where he says, you know, when I'm hungry and I'm freezing and I wonder why am I here, Apparently he doesn't like his family, I -hmm. guess. They're just overbearing. Well, they seem nice. They love him. Yeah. And there's worse things than having a loving, supporting family, Mark. You pretentious douche. (laughs) But Mark gets a call from his family and realizes he'd rather be hungry and freezing than deal with his family. Tough break, bro. I love my family, personally, but, you know, okay, I guess to each their own. If you want to be an angsty film artist, you can hate your family who's just calling to wish you a... A Merry Christmas. It's mm-hmm. all that they're doing. Uh, I do love his dad's line because Mark is talking about how he Maureen dumped him, mm-hmm. and uh, his dad has a line on the message talking about she wants to go be a lesbian. Letter that's she doesn't know what she's missing out on. It's like,
1: thanks, Dad. I guess. <laughs> um. Oh shoot. Skipped. Sorry. It's one of those things that watching it this time through, I'm kind of like, come on, man. You know, her leaving Mark for a woman isn't supposed to be funny necessarily, like everyone laughing about it. I'm kind of like I'm kind of like no, no, she just will leave Mark for anyone and so will and she'll leave Joanne for Joanne hasn't been introduced yet. No, but yeah, but no, actually, no, I think they had. I
0: think she. They did mention. They her, mentioned right? her the thing, at the start. The thing that's interesting about that is, I think the laughing comes from is. Um, from a guy's perspective, I think it's emasculating yeah. to have a woman leave you for a woman. Mm-hmm. Which, to me, personally, if that happened, I'd be like, oh, like, I would, I think I think it would be easier to have a woman leave me for another woman than have a woman leave me for mm-hmm. another man, mm-hmm. because there's no direct comparison. It would be like, oh, okay, well, she's being true to herself, not, mm-hmm. she likes this dude more. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's probably where it comes in a little bit, but, um, after the the uh overbearing message of love from Mark's hmm. family. Colin shows up with Christmas booze and a Christmas angel bearing a Christmas miracle of rent money and a song and dance about murdering a dog, I
1: think. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. is exactly what happens. Okay, song about murdering the, the Ikeda, dog. Evita, Evita.
0: Which I love the uh the reprise of that later. Yes. Um <sighs> Mark gets a call from his ex, Maureen, or Maureen. Mm-hmm. I- Maureen. Yeah, I said I said Maureen, which is from Wheel of Time. Yeah, I uh, just got
1: Will of Time on the brain uh,
0: all day, every day. Uh, Maureen, <laughs> pfft, Mark gets a call from his ex who needs his help. Say no, Mark. Two letters, N O. It's the same in Spanish. Ask Angel. <laughs> Mark uh, then goes down to where. Wow, now I have to like actually focus on saying the name correctly, Maureen.
1: <laughs> that is right, Maureen. Maureen.
0: Maureen hmm I need I need cause I spelled I spelled it correctly in my notes I need to remember that it's pronounced like more more mm-hmm or I guess more on e uh I should have called her that Morani there you know what that's her name now Morani <laughs> mark uh... goes down to help Morani with her <laughs> setup I guess because she's holding some show slash protest slash what crime the hell against was that? crime against the arts and humanity, um, and her new girlfriend Joanne is there, who is a fancy lawyer, mm-hmm. and she is not happy to see Mark at all. Uh, and she says that she hired an engineer, but he's three hours late. Mark's like, "Well, can I help anyway?" And uh, they have a nice little bonding moment mm-hmm. over how much Moriniya sucks. Yeah, Morana. And I actually really liked that bit Uh, because Mark gets some one-on-one time with Joanne and they bond over how much Maureen sucks, stop portraying bi people as sluts. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (sighs) there's a reason why it took me a long time to uh, come out about that because that's often the stigma with us.
0: Yeah, and I kind of felt with with Joanne or Joine Maureen. I am having the hardest time with names right now. Uh, Joanne, I just, my only, and Mark's message to her was basically, you can dance the Maureen tango until you're tired of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just that woman, like the way they're talking about it, I'm like, just, just leave her. Like mm-hmm. she's obviously poison. Just yeah. And I was surprised that she was in the musical the entire time. Mm-hmm. I kind of, because it kind of felt like she could have, not been in it and it would have been okay yeah because she's selfish and i don't feel like she really contributes to the group all that much yeah if anyway yeah she she's just loud and abrasive and it's all about me i'm the center of attention you me, know me, what? Me, me. they could have just let it go <gasps> that's ru- oh i have a i have a joke okay okay hold on to that all I right have, i have a joke in here <laughs> later about that okay so, uh that's right, Mark gets previously gets invited to the life support meeting, which was the uh the AIDS help group, mm-hmm. basically. AIDS support group. And he's like, Oh no, it's okay, Oh no, I won't go and then after he's done helping Joanne with uh Maureen's setup, Mark shows up at the life support meeting and is super awkward, being the AIDS man out <laughs> of the group. You should know better than to take a drink of something when I'm speaking. You never—it's it's like it's like a shark in the water. You never know when a joke's gonna creep up. I almost made Kay spit her drink all over her computer,
1: and instead I choked because I didn't want to
0: hurt anything. What was?
1: <laughs> but I hurt. Other me.
0: than yourself. What was funny about that is I saw you reaching for your cup, and I was in the middle of reading this, and I was like, I maybe should stop in case this makes her laugh, and then I was like, well, let's see how this rolls out. So yeah, Mark being super awkward, being the AIDS man out of the group, he manages to catch an impromptu song, which was surprisingly short. Uh, As I was typing that note, Kay basically leans over and goes... The actual stage version is longer than Mm -hmm. the movie. They had to cut some stuff short. I was like, ah, that's probably a full song right there. Uh, Now we go back to Mimi. Mimi talks about not needing money while she's shaking her ass at a stranger and takes bills from him. (laughs) She's hungry. Yeah, she's hungry. Someone get Mimi a sandwich. Mimi leaves the club singing in the street and climbs up the balcony at her apartment to creep on Roger little does she know roger should okay little does she know roger should tell you he should tell you he should tell you he should tell you you that he's a guitar sexual another time (sighs) another place mimi god oh there mimi is an interesting character Mm -hmm. because she is such a uh in-the-moment free spirit. Yeah. And while there is some positivities to that type of mindset, I think it is also a recipe for complete self-destruction. Yeah. (laughs) Because if you're just like, we only have today, why worry about the future? I'm going to shoot up heroin because... I'm a teenager Well, late teenager. (sighs) Yeah, well, she's 19. Still a teenager. But yeah, you're right. Late teen. Um, Hey, Roger. Mimi is hot. You should not pass up on something that could be good for you. I'll live, says Mark. Oh, wait. So, (laughs) I mean, Mark doesn't die in the show, but he does have AIDS. Roger has AIDS. That's what I meant. Not Mark. Yeah. (sighs) Wow, I'm bad with names and You're fine. But, yeah, because Mark makes the comment to Roger that you shouldn't pass up on something that could be good for you. I don't know how Mark has the AIDS sixth sense and knew that Mimi had it. Because I... I'm just saying. Like, there was a lot of drama between Roger being like, Well, I like this girl, but how do I tell her that I have AIDS? Yeah. And... I can it's, imagine being in that situation, it would be incredibly hard to try and start any type of relationship with someone yeah. when you know that you need to tell them that, yep. because I would imagine that most people would probably not want to enter into a relationship with someone who has that disease, because Yep,
1: stigmatism. That was stigmatism big stigmatism. issue. Yeah. Still kind of is the big issue. Yeah. Like. Uh, yeah. It's, it definitely is. I mean, it's,
0: Yeah scary scary stuff, but um mm-hmm. nice gap in time there
1: you can,
0: you can edit that out for me <laughs> <mumbles> <Du-uh, clears throat
1: voltage> anything anyway, for his notes Mark
0: goes back to the life support meeting watching people who don't care about losing their dignity in this nightmare called life. I may have understood that scene ah uh, bab- maybe... Mm- Mm. Maybe slightly? Maybe slightly. Mark uh, tries to help a homeless woman who's being harassed by police. She then tears him a new camera lens. <laughs>
1: uh I kind of. That scene was really interesting. Is that in the show? So, a lot of the scenes that have speaking in it are sung, and they are like full songs. Is this a sung through musical in the show? Not quite. But close? It's close. There are a lot of moments that, like... um, Sung through adjacent. Yeah, they're sung through adjacent. So, um, I don't know about that specific part. But, um, like, there's a whole sequence that... Well, you'll see when we do the stage play next week. um, There are whole sequences that are missing from this that either they just truncate into short scenes like with the homeless woman, or they just speak through it like um a scene that we're gonna cover in a little bit with uh Roger pulling Mimi away from her dealer before Maureen's uh performance? It was a Question pro mark? It was a protest. Protest it was an artistic protest. A performance. Before her performance, which that's generous, um, generous. that actually is like a whole song. And it's very cool, but it's... With the homeless woman telling him to go screw himself? Well, no, like, uh, just, I was giving an example of where they've kind of cut down a scene to just, hey... We're going here, and then you're 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 talking
0: about the the Lose My Dignity song, right?
1: No. So, back up. Sorry, I'm confused. You're fine. So, I was was just explaining um, that scenes like the one that you're talking about with uh, the homeless woman were cut down like um, there's a scene that we're getting to right before Maureen's quote-unquote performance where... Mark pulls Mimi away from her dealer, and the dealer's like, uh, you steal my client, you die. That's part of a song.
0: Oh, gotcha.
1: So the whole... So the dealer gets a song. Everyone in that area gets a... Basically is in this one song that you'll see once we... Okay. ...do the stage play. Gotcha. Okay. Did I mention that we are very tired? We say that every week. (laughs) Yeah, but that's the millennial life... Right there. Perpetually tired. Yeah. Gotta to work to pay the rent. Ah! Uh-huh.
0: <sighs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> after the homeless woman yells at Mark, uh, everybody takes the subway mm-hmm. together and Collins pole dances on the subway, singing about leaving New York and opening up a restaurant in Santa Fe and uh... <laughs> uh and save from devastation their brains. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think I copied down a line he actually said, but without yes. music. Yeah. It sounds weird reading it back. <laughs> so, <laughs> save their brains from devastation. Let's put it that way. <laughs> After they get off the train, Mark rushes off to Maureen's sound check, because he lost his dignity, and is still living in the Tango Nightmare. <laughs> we then get to have a really sweet uh, moment with Angel and Collins. They enter into a verbal agreement to exchange sex for room and board. I I don't
1: think that's what that song- I mean,
0: (laughs) a thousand kisses, a thousand sweet kisses. I mean, it sounds like a pretty sweet arrangement to me. How about it, Kay? You pay all the rent and I give you kisses. Kay is giving me a squinty-eyed, huh, look.
1: I think you misinterpreted that song. That's that's just them deciding that they just need love so, for each other. So Angel wasn't telling Collins to come live with him? Well, I mean, probably was, but also being like, Hey, I love you, and you love me, and let's enter into a love relationship for love, because we just need love. He says, literally,
0: in the song, You can pay me back in 1,000 kisses. You can live with me, rent free... Just pay me back with kisses.
1: Yeah, but also, you know, you be, you be my king and I'll be your castle. You be my queen and I'll be your moat and it's a love song. It's them talking about love. It sounded like property sex for me. It's love. Is a guy love? It's love. Actually, I mean, it's it's love. It's a form, (laughs) it's love. It's a form of love. It's A form of love. Uh, it is a cute scene, though. It's yeah, a, it's that's really sweet that's scene. my favorite scene in the whole show. And then it ends with you know has it ends with a kiss? They 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 do they do a close up, and they do kissy face, and then it and it's adorable. And then it fades out, and you just want to have that moment be there for the rest of the play, but it's not. Oh, oh. It's not. Oh, <laughs> they it just is. have like been it like, is. and then they live happily ever after forever. <laughs> Except with AIDS. (laughs) Then Um, they get Magic Johnson. Then they get Magic Johnson. I'm not okay with... Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So, after uh,
0: Collins agrees to property sex with Angel, Roger apologizes to Mimi for not sharing his AIDS with her the other night, but promises he'll make it up to her by sharing it at the Life Cafe after Maureen's protest show. Because he pulls her away from her dealer... And the dealer's like, you take my client, I will kill you. And he's like, oh yeah? He's like, yeah. And then he apologizes to Mimi for rushing her out of Mm room. I mean, to be fair, he was just minding his own business. And then this crazy junkie chick climbs up the side of his apartment and enters in through the window. I mean... Yeah, it's a little... I mean, I don't care how hot a woman is. If I'm single and she climbs in through my window singing to me... I'm going to be a little freaked out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So understandably, but you know, he's, he's trying to open his heart to this woman, but he should tell her, he should tell her. How can he tell her? He should tell her. He doesn't know how to tell her. Um, Maureen has an odd one woman performance slash protest, which becomes a riot and talks about a cow that produces Diet Coke and Mickey Mouse who drives a yellow truck. Did I understand that correct?
1: Now you see why I sent you the cow at work going the like sick cow gift yeah thing yeah.
0: cartoon. I don't even know how to explain moo. it. Everybody, moo! <laughs> Come Such on, a... you you listening at home?
1: No, or in your car at work? Moo with me. Actually, moo. yeah. If you're at work, stand on your cu- stand on your desk at your cubicle. Moo. moo.
0: That was that was a really, really weird song. I think I need drugs just for Maureen's scene. I mean, I need to let it go. I need to just let it go.
1: <laughs> yeah. For... Kay,
0: Kay explained to me that the woman who plays Maureen in Rent is Elsa from Frozen, mm-hmm. which blew me away because I couldn't hear her as Elsa. But Kay made a good point, and her voice, even though she's obviously an adult, her voice matured a little bit mm-hmm. ten years plus later. Yeah. It's... And uh, later in the show, in some of the talking scenes, I could kind of hear it. Yeah. But she's a really good singer. She is, I, hate I her just... character in this, <sighs> but the woman has some pipes. I hate Maureen so much. Yeah, I'm not a fan of her either, but uh, the actress is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, after... So so in the middle of uh, Maureen's weird ass protest show, the cops start breaking it up and there ends up being a fight and Mark shoots some footage and there's just all around New York shenanigans, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. I've never been to New York in the 90s <laughs> or ever. But after the positive gang gathers after the protest... what? Last, the positive gang... they're very positive in multiple ways after the positive gang gathers around gathers after Jeez. the protest slash riot slash show and goes to dinner they find out that they are dining with benny and his bastard boss slash father-in-law maureen shows them her star-spangled ass and they <laughs> sing about being free and opposing the norm <laughs> la vie bohème <laughs> uh, that song was actually really good yeah um, that one's great It was very nonsensical. There were parts where I felt like they were just saying words that rhymed but didn't necessarily even go together in terms of, like, context or anything. It was a very, um... I would say that that song was the equivalent of if... You know, know, like, in movies, those ransom notes where they cut out a letter (laughs) from different things in a magazine to form a sentence? That's what that musical was like. It was like a ransom of your sanity, and all the lyrics were just different pieces of other things pasted together to form a sentence.
1: You know, you saying that suddenly made me think about something. This is hair with a plot. This is Gen X Um, hair with a plot. Less, okay... More AIDS and less drugs. Yeah, more AIDS, less drugs, but like... But yeah, it's... This, a, is, this is Gen X's hair, You and know, that is actually... That's, I'm kind of wondering... Yeah. That's a very, very accurate estimation of it. I would hesitate to say that this show at all would be... Like, even though there's a lot of millennials who are rent heads, this show is Gen X. Like, one hundred percent this is that generation, because that's the generation that Mark and Roger would be in, and this is their hair. That's yeah. what I say, two think... glasses of Chianti into this. Not... So. I think that's very, very accurate, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh just because both of those shows
0: have a group of youths who mm-hmm. are opposing the systematic norm in america Mm -hmm. and are essentially rebels yeah you know um to to kind of what society says they should be um they have at least one word salad song yeah (laughs) except in hair they're all a bunch of orgy having drug using hippies and in rent they're all a bunch of well half of them are artists the other half are not artists some are using drugs. Some, some are using art. drugs, no orgies, a lot of AIDS. mm mm-hmm. um, Let's see, like 50% of the main cast has AIDS in this. Yes. So it's like, there's a lot of AIDS. Yeah. And I don't mean to make light of AIDS, but I seek humor in uncomfortable and or dark situations. hmm So that's my defense mechanism. And... That's how I explain the rest of my jokes. <laughs> so. Oh, and then during the La Vie Boheme song, we have... And I, I waited. I'm going to wait till you're not drinking when, I, when I say this. I'm going
1: to my drink down. Because it has
0: one of the greatest lines, I think, ever from anything I've ever seen, read, watched, listened, anything. Anything, period. Yeah. Sodomy is between God and me. Yes. <laughs> I... That is the greatest line ever. Mm. I thought that was great. Uh, and then Roger sneaks Mimi out into the snow. Actually, it was before that. They're in the the restaurant, and Mimi lets Roger know that she has AIDS. And he's like, You too? Me too. Mm-hmm. And then they like, he like feels this weight lift off of him, like, oh. It's like, She has AIDS too. It's okay to like her. And then they go out into the snow and they have their little romantic scene where Mm -hmm. they're just kind of like apologizing for how things went. Yeah. And kind of trying to move forward with this fledgling relationship. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we have an act break with 525,600 future heartbreaks.
1: Yeah, there's a line in that in that particular reprise that's how do you measure or how do you figure a last year on earth and that's the moment where you go oh oh by the end of this at least one person will be dead
0: five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes five hundred twenty-five thousand tears to shed yep that was K. and I shed them all K shed my share of them so, after the act break, we cut to New Year's in New York. Mark is getting everyone's New Year's resolution on film. My resolution for this show is to not end sad. Which. Eh.
1: Uh, Kinda. Kinda. I was still crying at the end. But yeah, Kate was me. crying.
0: I was more pissed off than
1: anything else. Not,
0: yeah, uh, we'll get to that. So, Maureen still sucks. Big surprise. We find out that they've been locked out of their apartment. But Angel has a trash can up her sleeve. And trash can versus padlock. <laughs> trash can wins. So, <laughs> the reason I am saying Maureen still sucks... Oh, oh, oh. I guess a part that I had left out was when they were meeting at the restaurant, uh, Mark was late. And we find out Mark was late because the footage that he captured of the performance slash riot slash whatever it was... Mm-hmm. is going to be on the news. And he it turns out that he has had offers to be an independent, um, not reporter, but cameraman, Yeah, And Maureen just sucks, and she's like, oh, it's all because of me that you even got this. It's mm-hmm. just her, 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 her. She's a me monster. She is a me monster. And uh, I just despise her. But anyway, cut into that. And then they all try to go back to their their bodega of love and find out that they've been locked out angel saves the day they go in back in and uh let's see wait <laughs> oh yeah and so they to raise the money mark goes into the corporate world to sell his soul with joanne's help joanne sees maureen flirting with the secretary and gets mad but they settle that argument with maureen proposing to joanne and if you look in the back, you can see Mark's heart shattering. Poor, poor Mark. But you and Joanne have something in common—a terrible taste in women. Yep. And after, <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was—it was. It was... I... Okay. So the one thing I will say with Maureen is, it was kind of sweet for her to kneel right there, take off one of her rings, mm-hmm. and put it on Joanne. I kind of thought that was sweet. Yeah. Uh, Which is immediately undermined by the next scene. Yeah. Which is them at their engagement party. At Joanne and Maureen's engagement party, Maureen already breaks her commitment by being flirty with the bartender. Then sings about how she can't help being the way she is. Spoiler! neither (laughs) Neither takes either for who they are. Joanne is great. Maureen, eh. Yeah. Yep. And then when they, some time has passed and they go back to their, uh, their pad and all their shit is back. Mm -hmm. That's Roger's words. Hey, our shit is back. And Benny is sitting in there. Benny shows up to uh, make a peace offering since Mimi changed his mind. How did she change his mind? Uh, but Roger is not okay with the fact that Benny and Mimi had a thing two years ago when Mimi was 17. Totally Okay. Mimi has her 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 uh, without song, and we get treated to people dying. So recap of that word salad. Um, <laughs> so Benny shows up and he's like, "Hey, I have a new lease for you guys. You guys could live here rent free." Blah blah blah. And uh, Mark basically shows him his check and says, "You can shove it up your ass. Mm-hmm. I'm making money, and we're gonna live here without your your." black-hearted charity mm-hmm. and i mean black-hearted as in sinister not because the man benny is black um, <laughs> and, and uh he says that he you know mimi changed his mind and blah 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 and roger's immediately like oh yeah i wonder how she changed his mind mm-hmm. and then mimi's like nothing happened he mm-hmm. and i dated a while ago before i met you and roger's like nothing happened before you met me I'm the center of the universe. It doesn't matter that I had a girlfriend before I met you. You're not allowed to have any boyfriends before you met me. (sighs) Yeah, it was a just dumb, dumb uh, thing for Roger to get all pissy about. But then um, they have, they break up, Roger and Maureen. And then we see Maureen going to her. Mimi, sorry. (laughs) Thank you. Like I said, I'm bad with names and (laughs) this show. There's a lot of people in it. So, sorry. Roger and Mimi break up and then we have Mimi's song shows her going back to her dealer, getting some fresh heroin and proceeding to just jack her life up again. And then we (sighs) get to see Angel dying Yeah. Which sucks. Yeah. And I guess also during that scene when they're at the um, life support meeting, Mm -hmm. you start seeing people fading out of chairs, implying that they've died and they're no longer going to those meetings. Yeah. So that was, I would say, Angel dying was my absolute least favorite Thing Mm -hmm. in this entire show Mm -hmm. Because Angel was such a great character Yeah And was just Angel was the most Genuine character Yeah, Angel was so much of a I am who I am Angel helped everybody Mm -hmm. That they could Angel was just A pillar of positivity And love and compassion Angel was a great character And the entire group really Really feels Angel's death. An-
1: uh, which that has one of my favorite lines, by the way, which I think I'm going to use, which is I'm more man than you'll ever be, and I'm more of a woman than you're ever going to get.
0: Thanks, I was getting to that. Oh,
1: I didn't I mean, know I, that. <laughs> I didn't have it written down, but oh. I remember that. So it was at Angel's funeral.
0: Which happened to be on Halloween, which was their favorite holiday. Mm-hmm. Everyone talks about how great Angel was. And as soon as the burial is over, they start fighting. Even after they told Colin they'd be cool. But during the funeral, uh, yeah. it was... Was it Mimi? Or yeah, Maureen? Mimi. Okay. Yeah, Mimi, what Kay said, has has that line of... It was a skinhead? Yes. Goes up to a skinhead and says, I'm more of a man than you'll ever be.
1: And I'm more of a woman than you'll ever get. Yeah. And it was just like some sassiness I'm, right there i'm gonna use that from now on go angel <laughs>
0: um yeah, so it was a great scene and of course all the friends then proceed to go out after the burial and start bitching at one another oh um mimi had heard through whatever you know the grapevine that roger sold his guitar and bought a car he's like yeah i'm leaving i'm gonna go to santa fe because mm-hmm. I just need to get away from New York is kind of what is implied. Mm-hmm. Um, Roger leaves New York and goes to Santa Fe, New Mexico in a car that looks like it runs off of tetanus. <laughs> While tetanus Mar- lightning. Goes. <laughs> yeah. Tetanus lightning. While Mark works his new news job that he obviously hates. Mm-hmm. Like he just has this super pissed off death gaze mm-hmm. when he's doing those scenes and I just... I feel bad for the guy, but hey, he has rent to pay, Mm -hmm. hence the title of the show. Mark sings on the rooftop and uh, is reunited with Roger, magically, because Roger and Mark are both having their life sucks moments, because this is also, Roger drives from New York all the way to New Mexico, then sells his car. Then buys another guitar, mm-hmm. which I'm like, that's a very interesting way to go about your life. Sell your yeah. guitar, buy a car, drive somewhere, sell your car, buy a new guitar, play, and yep. then not make money, and then decide to go home. It's not, you know, I don't know how uh, how um, um, efficient of a lifestyle <laughs> that is, or how sustainable it is, but, you know, these crazy artists are going to be crazy artists. Mm-hmm. Not, nothing that us old folks can say about it. Um... But yeah, and, and I can't remember the name of the song that they're singing, but it's like, was
1: it Dying in America or something like that? Uh, yeah, Living in America, and then they end up with, We're dying in America. Yeah. And at the end of the millennium. At the end
0: of the millennium. Mark is singing on the rooftop of their building, and that's when you just see Roger basically walk over. We don't ever see Roger come back to New York. Mm-hmm. We just see him in New Mexico. And then suddenly he's back in New York, and so
1: we're just left to assume he sold his guitar and bought another car and drove back. I think it's when he hops on the bus at the bus depot, because there's a moment where he gets on a bus. I might. So he probably. That.
0: Oh no, no, you're right. Because mm-hmm. then that we see him. We see we see him uh, eight mileing and he's writing yeah. stuff and all be all I remember seeing on his. <laughs> if you've seen Eight Mile, that's what Eminem <laughs> does. He writes rap lyrics while he's taking the bus <laughs> to go to work and back home. So sorry, that's kind of that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, um, even though just never heard that as a verb. <laughs> <laughs> Um But yeah, and I remember when Roger is writing lyrics on his pad. So much of them are scribbled out and the only thing that he had that wasn't scribbled out was your eyes, mm-hmm. and I was just like, okay, dude. Uh, but it makes it makes sense later. Oh, uh, oh, shoot. Somehow I got distracted. Okay. So, after Roger comes back to New York and rejoins with Mark, we find out that Mimi is missing. No one has heard from her, not even
1: her dealer. Like, Everybody's worried. Mhm. Last person who saw her said it was 3 weeks and she hadn't picked up her AZT. Yeah, she hasn't picked up picked
0: up her uh, AIDS medicine and hasn't reported into her job, hasn't gone to any meetings. She's just completely dropped off the grid. And then we cut to Mimi's death scene, which is first ushered in by Colin uh, and it's it's a very the whole that whole part right there is a the ending to this is a very good reprise of the opening mm-hmm. because Colin shows back up, they throw the keys to him, and I love they're like, don't get don't get your ass kicked this time. Yeah. And he comes in and he's super happy. He's got booze and he's also got money for him. Colin, who has free money, courtesy of Angel's angel, who has haunted an ATM machine. <laughs> but yeah, Maureen and, jo- and uh, Joanne show up with a dying Mimi. Roger sings her his okay song that took all year to write. The song was so bad that it gave Mimi AIDS and killed her. Good job, Roger. You're a murdering musician. Oh my god. I Uh, mean... Never mind. (laughs) Mimi didn't die. Angel sent her back to tell Roger that his song sucks and needs
1: another year's worth of work. (laughs) So I agree with you there that that song does... uh, No. (laughs) That's, That's another one of those this could have done with another rewrite. Yeah. With that particular song, especially, because it's not that great.
0: No, it really isn't. It's probably the weakest song of the entire musical, in my opinion. It is.
1: It absolutely is.
0: And, um, yeah, I was super pissed off. I mean, because I, I, mean, I like Mimi, and then she died, and I'm like, great, Angel dies, and now Mimi dies. Just <laughs> Just kidding! angel was like bitch you get back down to earth mm-hmm. and uh i did like her thing to talk about it. i was in this place it was warm and i saw angel and she looked great mm-hmm. i, I like that line and, yeah and colin kind of lights up from that yeah and then after mimi the zombie rises from the dead uh we then have mark who goes over to his camera because he had been during the uh time when Mark and Roger were separated and Roger was playing music in New Mexico, Mark was working on his film, cutting Mm -hmm. different things, and Mark and stuff we see him working on his film, and so he then goes over and plays his film and shows everybody the labor of his love, and it's basically a montage of the entire film. And we try to forget Roger's terrible song with a much, much better song. After
1: all, there is no daylight today. Yeah. So. You know, Roger's song at the beginning um, when he's talking about basically he wants his one song, one glory. Yeah, one blaze of glory. That is such a good song and you're like, oh cool, Roger's a good songwriter and then you get his actual song he writes and you're like, oh, you're just a hack with a guitar. <laughs> you're, you're that guy who shows up to parties with a guitar. <laughs> um, it's a much better Better,
0: yeah. That the Blaze of Glory song is a much better song than the Mm -hmm. Your Eyes song. Mm -hmm. But I did forget um, during that Blaze of Glory song, we are treated to flashbacks of Roger's previous girlfriend, Mm -hmm. who he met apparently when he was at some gig. Yeah, and they fell madly in love, and they were both using heroin, Mm -hmm. and then she got diagnosed with HIV Mm -hmm. and died off screen. We're led to assume she died of AIDS, mm. and then Kay told me, spoiler, that in the show they talk about that she, when she gets diagnosed with HIV, she slits
1: her wrists. Yeah, because and... I, I had forgotten that the movie does not tell you straight out that that's what happens. They just say, oh, she died, and it's like, no, she, slit her wrists in the bath, slit her wrists in the bathtub. Yeah, and. So Mark is or Roger is left, you know. Dead girlfriend and AIDS, and <laughs> as if one wasn't bad enough, it's it's just it's it's one of those things that this, this show it leaves me with so many emotions and rewatching it, I'm sitting here going, yeah, the, if if this had been able to be workshopped again then some of the little kinks and inconsistencies could probably... And it's it's one of those things that, we'll we'll see how it compares when we watch the live version, but the movie kind of helps you see that. <laughs> helps you see kind of the inconsistencies and some of the issues that come with a show that didn't get another workshop after its preview. Yeah. Because... It was, uh, it was still good, though. It's it's still an amazing show. It's worth every Tony it's won. But boy, you ca- it's it is one of those things where you think about what could have been, what what would have happened if Jonathan Larson had not died, what would have happened if he would have been able to pick up the show again. Ten years later, twelve years later, and gone, oh, let me tweak some stuff.
0: I did think it was cool that you said every like in that opening scene mm-hmm. where they're standing on stage singing mm-hmm. five hundred twenty five thousand six hundred minutes. yeah, um you said everybody but two of the people on that stage are the original Broadway,
1: yes, cast. and that's also the case for like uh in in the movie, you've got Mark, Roger, Maureen, uh. Collins, Collins, Angel, and I want to say Benny are all the original cast members. The only ones that aren't would be Joanne and Mimi that aren't. Do you know why they didn't get the original ones? Um, so Joanne's original actress felt that she had aged out of the role. Okay. And then Mimi's original actress was pregnant. Oh, okay. And couldn't. It at Two time, very so. valid reasons. It wasn't like a case of like with My Fair Lady where they went, oh, they won't know.
0: Probably, I was were, I was worried that that would be the case because I'm like, no, I, yeah.
1: Um, so
0: I, I thought that was really cool that they got the original Broadway cast to yes. do the movie. I felt like that. I, I really appreciate the filmmakers' decision to do that. Yes, um and I thought that everybody did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, I I haven't had a chance to actually talk about how well I thought everyone did. Like it was really really well done. Yeah. Like all the songs were sung really really well. Mm-hmm. The cinematography was really really good. I mean there's a lot of positive things to say about this this yeah. show, this film. Um really really good. Uh yeah, I mean, I, I had to make jokes because that's what I do, mm-hmm. and um and it's how you cope with the <laughs> with the emotions because how I cope with the emotions. I do not like stuff that is too real. It's why I like science fiction and fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, this was pretty real. Yeah, this was pretty real. And even yeah. though I'm even though I'm technically part of that community through marriage, mm-hmm. <laughs> um. I've never, like, I definitely feel like an outsider looking in, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure is is normal yeah. um, for a lot of people in regards to stuff of this nature. mm mm-hmm. uh, Was really, really good. I really, really liked it. I don't... I don't think I personally... If I identified with any character, I'd say it was probably Mark. mm mm-hmm. um, A little bit, you know? Yeah. But...
1: Really, really,
0: yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Awesome. Um, I didn't have the same reaction you did because, of course, I have no heart. I don't feel normal human emotions. <laughs> I I stole it away. I, so I, I gave I gave it to you. Okay, it was part of the contract. Um, yeah. I make I make jokes about dark things to alleviate the tension. Hmm. But yeah, it was good. Good. Yeah. So do you have anything you want to ask me? Or, or
1: or do you have anything you want to? Say? So um I had I had meant to mention that this show has had a pretty good run. In fact, uh I'll probably go into it more next week when we cover the stage version, um because this had a twelve year run. Holy shit! Yeah, it it's again we're we're going to be talking about the cultural impact next week, um and we'll see how this two parter, uh sort of format goes with shows like this because some shows I do feel like we need to uh, sort of expand on more and I don't necessarily want to like make it be a bonus episode necessarily because...
0: No, I I, I agree.
1: Yeah. I agree because we talked about that
0: a bit. And um one of the issues too, especially trying to cover theater, is unless we can sh- see a show live, which is a little tricky yeah. around here, um, or if we can find something online, if unless we have an actual stage production to see, we kind of have to default to a movie version, yes. which you know, the movie versions can be very different than the stage versions, mm-hmm. as you've mentioned with other things that we've watched. Yeah, And um, I think it's totally fine if we watch a movie version and then at a later point watch a stage version if yeah. we're able to see one. And it... Because I like... I like seeing the the differences. I like seeing awesome. the contrasts. I mean, yes, we're treading over mm-hmm. some familiar ground, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's new and it's different. It's still different. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, we watched the... a stage production of Godspell and then yeah. we also watched the movie version of it as mm-hmm. well. So we kind of have... have Done that as well, except when we did the movie version, we did it as a double feature, which hasn't been. So be
1: quiet, Warren. Well, no, it's it's been posted since then. Oh, okay. See, what I, f- I forget things. It's fine. So we're gonna pull back the curtain a little bit. We have to record these in advance because you never know when things are going to happen in our lives, <laughs> like illness, like illness, like or like K having a joint decides not to work anymore or Kay has a freak accident with a stare or a 73 pound excited Rottweiler mix deciding to bowl them over and stuff and not that that's happened but (laughs) (laughs) latte's over there in her crate I feel attacked well sweetie mom had to use a cane for couple of weeks so (laughs) but um so uh but yeah this it's it's kind of a new format that i want to do when we can access both the stage and the movie um we will probably be covering the hair movie too eventually because that one's way different um but yeah next week i do want to have us watch the uh final performance on Broadway um and I'll try not to soapbox as much as I did with this episode because I I realized that I kind of went on a tangent and didn't uh
0: that never happens
1: necessarily well we never go on tangents I guess not a tangent more of like a as, as my own personal feelings about this show bleeding in a little bit rather than just giving the facts. So I will give more facts next week, like about the impact on other people that are not me. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't rant so much about how I just, I I am sad about Angel and... Yeah, how... well, you should, you should talk about the impact
0: on people like me, like heterosexual white men in... You know, how how did we deal with this show culturally? How did it affect us? That's the real... I mean, it's the it's a broader demographic out there. You need to talk about that.
1: Kay is throwing daggers at me with her eyes right now. Good lord. Um, but yeah, so... I, I just... I, I... I don't know what else I'm trying to say here. Um... Because this this show brings up a lot of emotions for a lot of reasons, for me specifically. So I guess it's good that this was the episode to let them all out so that next (laughs) week when we cover the stage production, I can be like, and here are the facts and figures about this show and about the rent heads, the people who absolutely love this show. Shouldn't they be called (laughs) Renters? I mean, they probably should be, but... (laughs) I didn't make up the fandom.
0: <laughs> I'm saying there's a lack of creativity
1: with that name.
0: I'm just saying.
1: Mm, fair. Come fair. on, rent
0: heads. Change your name to renters.
1: So so I guess I do have a question for you. Are you, are you thinking that we need to write Mortgage?
0: <laughs> the follow-up <laughs> musical.
1: Uh... I think that would be hilarious,
0: and I think that would be a way to incorporate the changes that you would like this show to mm-hmm. have had into that, and really, it'd be more of an update to the current issues of the LGBT community mm-hmm. in modern time.
1: At, at that point, it might... It, well, I mean, we we won't really make up Mortgage the Musical, but, you know, I, I do I do wish that there would be a show that covered that and maybe there is i've been a little bit out of the loop in the last couple of years on brand new shows on broadway so maybe someone has done something that's
0: i have a feeling that the internet would have informed you with how much you you follow things like that i feel like that would have been news because you tend to know about a lot of (sighs) art stuff theater
1: stuff before because you know. I just I haven't seen much like Rent that like I was saying earlier Rent really is a Gen X musical. It is a Gen X musical about the experience of being young and Gen X. I don't know if there's a musical that's about being young and a millennial or young and Gen Z and dealing with sexuality and dealing with like just the issues that are there when you're in your late teens to early 20s to maybe even into your 30s, which Rent does. And so, I don't know, there's a little bit of like, I feel bad identifying with a show for Gen X because there's not much for them to pull from either.
0: I would say don't feel bad identifying for a show that doesn't necessarily fit your specific true demographic. true. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, because people people identify with lots of things, different aspects. That's I true. Mean, it's it's different aspects of any. I mean, that's the thing is any show we've watched, mm-hmm. you know, I do see characters in it here. Oh, I, I identify with that aspect of this person or yeah. this aspect of this person. Like so, I mean, I think it's fine. Okay, but um. It is funny, us talking about Mortgage, the musical, because Mm. now my brain is like kicking in all these ideas (laughs) and stuff like that. However, nobody out there listening needs to worry because I can't write shit. And um, I keep Kay way too distracted for her to write a musical, so.
1: Well, and it's probably a good thing because it would end with a higher body count than nonsense, so. Kay murders people.
0: In, in her fiction, writing.
1: in her fiction, I was, I was, I was giving
0: a dramatic pause. Okay,
1: got to be careful. I'm black. Yeah, careful with those dramatic pauses, man. <laughs> Lord,
0: hey, there's no evidence.
1: Who Lie must... in
0: fire, hide everything.
1: Oh my god, ha. Huh. So I'm just
0: saying if you if you dismember a body and spread it across okay, different so states Okay so thank
1: you guys so much for listening to Tone Deaf this thank week. Thank you very much. Um again it just words can't express how much we appreciate you guys. So thank you so much for listening, for supporting us, for your reviews. Just keep them coming, man. Yeah, uh, speaking of reviews, please give us a
0: a review and and Say something, anything. It can even just be thumbs up, high, smile, uh, just anything. You don't have to mortgage. Mortgage, yeah. You <laughs> you you don't have to to really say anything specific. You could just type one word in there, and that's fine because it does uh, reviews, ratings that have reviews way higher than just ratings. Mm-hmm. So we appreciate anything and everything you guys do to just yeah. help us get a little bit wider spread because mm-hmm. um, yeah this is fun and we like doing it and we enjoy uh seeing that people are watching week after week it yeah. definitely brings a smile to our faces and we hope that
1: we bring a smile to your faces yeah so um if if you want to talk to us at all uh first off you could shoot us an email uh tone deaf musical at gmail.com uh we also have a twitter that's tone-deaf musical. We have a Facebook page that's tone-deaf musical. Uh, no Facebook group right now because I have super bad anxiety and I'm the one that runs both. So yes,
0: Kay is our social media guru. And if we get people joining on Facebook, you know, Hey, maybe we would create thing. And then maybe I would dust off my Facebook account and, and, uh,
1: and assist. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if it's, if it's just me running a group, uh, not going to happen. <laughs> the, the, it's, it's too much anxiety. <laughs> That's fair. Also, if you've got a Discord, you can join us at the Podcast Junkie Discord server. It's a really amazing community. I've got a link in the description of the podcast, as well as a link on our Twitter. Um, there's just a bunch of amazing podcasters and listeners that uh, hang out on there. Uh, you've got shows like Bird Brain podcast. You've got uh, Private Island presents up all night. You've got Oz Nine. You've got Ninth World. You've got Podcast Junkie. Just all these amazing shows, and uh, a lot of us have our own rooms on there that you can connect with us on. Uh, we've got one for Tone Deaf. Right now, it's just me on Twitter or on uh, Discord because Warren has a Discord, but he doesn't use it. But if you guys want to chat with him, too, uh, I could, you know, make him maybe uh, maybe dust off that discord, maybe. Um, But it'll be it's just it's a great community. I highly recommend it. Even if you're not a podcaster, it's great for listeners, too, because there's always new shows that you can check out on there. And everyone's just super chill and super nice. So join us on there if you like. It's it's a great place, great fun. Just thank you again, guys, so much. We will be back next week with Rent Part Two. Electric the Revenge Bo- or Electric Boogaloo or the Revenge. The Revenge the re- of the Electric Boogaloo. The Rent Venge. The Rent Venge. Yes, re- Rent Two. The Rent Venge. Rent Two would be kind of sad because it would just be Mark, Joanne, and Maureen. They'd have new friends by now. They would, but, like, out of the original
0: group. Hey, look at it this way. Fewer people would die of AIDS in the sequel.
1: This is true. Well, hopefully. Who knows? Who knows? Ugh. Man. Yeah. Ugh, this show is a rough one, so sorry for the jokes, because it's it's just it's rough subject matter. It's a rough show. Um, Good show. It's a very good show. Dredges up a lot of emotions, which is the point of theater, I believe. So, That's why the iconic picture
0: is the laughing face and the crying face. Yep.
1: All the... All the, those.
0: The, the the extreme ranges of emotion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pure joy and ultimate sorrow. Yes. Together. Nonsense and rent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I was gonna make a joke about Batboy, but then... Eh. Yeah, the one musical to make you misty.
0: It's true.
1: <laughs> so thank you guys again. We'll see you next week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren, and this has been Tone, Tone Deaf.